0: but now it's hidden from your eyes.
1: Our first reading this morning is taken from Genesis, chapter 4, and starting at verse 1. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And our second reading is taken from Hebrews, chapter 9, starting at verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? For this reason... Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves, together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Father, we do thank you that you are in our midst and you want us to celebrate but you also want us to understand that we might walk with you, follow you, follow your path and love as you loved. So open our hearts and minds now to see you afresh, we ask. In your name. Amen. Well, as we said, today is Palm Sunday. It's the day when Jesus instructed his disciples uh, to untie the colt and allow him to be the first person uh, to ride it into Jerusalem. Uh, coming in that way is, is, as we saw in the clip actually, it was very much the way kings arrived. After they were victorious in battle, uh, they would enter the city actually not on the back of a donkey but on the back of a horse and that was then proclaiming victory and power a donkey of course was more menial Uh, it was a sign of humility and peace but Jesus had chosen a time when Jerusalem was packed to the rafters crowds thronged the street and you can sense in this celebration that it is Uh, it's a time of liberation freedom is close at hand and they're cheering wildly this is the World Cup coming to Warnash and we are all on the streets giving it large but into this maelstrom rides Jesus and he acknowledges their cries blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord yes that's me And why does he say that? Because if you don't say it, the very rocks on the ground will say it for you. He doesn't try to stop them. In fact, he underlines that same message. And Jesus comes to Jerusalem and Jerusalem is in front of him and he weeps. He weeps. most mornings uh, quite early I take our little dog for a walk and I go up on puley Downs and I go on the other side of the Downs and there before me I can see the whole of Guildford pretty much the whole of Guildford and reading this during the week it's touched me again how Jesus might have felt overlooking Jerusalem and his heart was broken for all the people every house, every building represents a life and Jesus' heart was broken why was it broken? just because he wouldn't see that view again? because he loves those people? but they didn't understand he'll soon be giving everything for them that they didn't recognise what he stood for. And I stood there overlooking Guildford and I could sense that same thing. And I pray for Guildford every morning. I pray for Wanish every morning when I come into it or Blackheath. That the house, every house represents a life. A life that is important to God. And it's a story that's well known but what I, interested me, looking through the lectionary readings, because I've just done the 8 o'clock service as well, very few of them, and there's only one of all the readings today which mentions Palm Sunday, which is why I read it at the beginning of our service. And so I kept coming back to this grief of Jesus. He looks over Jerusalem and he weeps why is it that the sight of the city where he's going to be condemned and die is so powerful to him? Now, we've seen over recent, uh, the recent series that we've been going through that this is all part of a plan. Jesus knew what was unfolding before him. It had been spoken of hundreds of years before in the Psalms which we read at the 8 o'clock Psalm 118 that's where the, the phrase blessed is he comes from you read it in Isaiah in Jeremiah in Micah in Joel this is foretold this is part of a plan in the garden of Gethsemane it's picked up as well isn't it Jesus says take this cup from me or this ending this means of salvation take it away from me but nevertheless, your will be done. And in the Gospels, Jesus is very clear about what is about to happen. Even saying that the Son of Man should be killed and on the third day will rise again. This was the way of sacrifice to bring salvation. Jesus is riding to his death and he does it in full knowledge. He's about to shed his blood and those looking on and cheering can't see the significance of it which is why we read the passages that we did we're going to we're going to introduce a few big words this morning sacrifice is not necessarily a big word but it's the first one we'll use sacrifice first appears probably anyway in genesis 3 and then it's picked up in genesis 4 abel and cain where it's clearly a bit of a well-known It's a well-known practice and we know that Cain's uh, sacrifice wasn't accepted and Abel's was uh, and we can conjecture why that may have been. Perhaps Cain, of course, was using the fruit of the land and not the blood of an animal but perhaps it was the attitude or manner in which he brought that sacrifice. We don't know. But sacrifice then becomes very consistent through Genesis with Abraham, Isaac, Noah, Jacob, we read of them all making sacrifice. And the idea is that something has gone wrong and needs to be put right. And the way you do that is by making retribution. There's an assumption that people do things wrong that we're all sinners. We all deserve to be judged for what we do. We can't really comprehend a God accepting us into eternity if we were less than perfect. So something has to happen to make us as individual sinners clean again before God. And so the next big word, if we can include retribution I suppose, but is substitution. Substitution. And the whole point of sacrifice was that you substituted one thing for another. What you had to pay was paid by someone else, or something else. And we're having our Passover meal this week and you remember Passover where God was going to move through the land and execute uh, a justice over the, and judgment over the people of Egypt except for those Israelites who had killed the lamb and daubed the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and he would pass over those areas and then equally Abraham was due to uh, sacrifice Isaac but God provided a ram as a substitute instead. So the next big word, atonement if a substitute is a replacement an atonement is the same thing we need to atone for the things that we have done wrong and once a year on the day of atonement the priest laid his hands on the head of a goat and the goat was then slain so it's as if uh, metaphorically at least the sins of the people are transferred to the goat and the goat is slain for those sins, for all that has gone wrong, do you get the point? In order to be made clean, throughout the Bible, certainly throughout the Old Testament, there's a, a sacrifice needs to be paid. Someone or something has to pay the price for the wrongdoing which has occurred, so that a relationship can once again be established. And so we come to this passage in Hebrews which contrasts the er earthly high priest with the role of Jesus and the passage makes the point that the high priest again and again and again makes sacrifice for the sins of the people and he goes into the Holy of Holies once a year in order to make sacrifice and atonement for the people And Jesus doesn't enter with the blood of anything else. He enters with his own blood. So that everyone might be forgiven. Everyone, once and for all, might be forgiven. This isn't ongoing. Well, it is in the sense that our sins need to be forgiven. But God has made the sacrifice once and for all in Christ. For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. What used to happen does not have to happen any longer. This is a once for all sacrifice. Jesus Christ substituting himself our sins, taking upon himself the sin of the world that we might be atoned. You see how all the words group together. All the same images are in this passage that were in the Old Testament as well. There's sacrifice, there's the giving of blood, there's a substitution, there's atonement, there's redemption. And the person who is being charged however, not an animal, it is a person it is Jesus Christ so there is Jesus on the back of a donkey overlooking Jerusalem and the people that he loves and they knew him not and he weeps he cries for you're missing the point are we missing the point today? Yes, Palm Sunday is a celebration but it's a celebration because Jesus Christ was prepared to go all the way. He had to make the sacrifice. Jesus knows the pain that lies ahead but this was a a plan that had to be put into place in order to be effective. There's no escape. Blood must be shed in order for the sacrifice to make recompense. And to really understand the power of what Jesus is doing we need to see the Old Testament in the context of this sacrifice and substitution to bring atonement to bring us into a living relationship we were talking living relationships on, um, in the vicarage this week I am so grateful to all of you who have attended Lent courses and to those that have led it. Um, the, the book club has met three times. The third was the most challenging of the books and Marion decided to have COVID. Bless you. I see you're negative and with us now. Thank you for that. Anyway, so I stepped in to take on this book of a family who were rigid in their keeping of the rules, they were a religious family and they have a family tragedy. And you watch how this family uh, deal with the uh, fallout of this in very different ways. But ultimately, the leader of the household, the man, turns to a book on the shelf, he takes it down, and he says, now let me see how we should respond to this. As if it's written down for everything. God is not asking us to be due to, in, to find faith in a in, I say in a book. I don't mean the Bible, I don't get me wrong. This, this isn't a book written by people, humans. We're not finding faith in rules and regulations. We're finding faith in a living God. A living God who is prepared to die. Die that in whatever circumstance we may still know the love of God. And that living relationship this relationship is not in duty it's in faith it's not by rote it's by daily walking that path it's by sitting on a donkey overlooking Guildford and weeping because your heart is touched by the people who don't know Jesus Christ and all he's done Yet we do celebrate today. We celebrate today because our King has arrived and our King is going to be a King throughout the whole week. And our King has arrived in order to fulfil the plan that was prepared. Despite being sentenced, despite being flogged, despite being crucified, Jesus is still King because he's chosen to give up everything that we may be free Palm Sunday is a symbol for us of a new beginning the chance of a new start the chance of a living relationship with God man of sorrows what a name for the son of God who who came ruined sinners to reclaim hallelujah What a saviour. Guilty, helpless, lost were we. Blameless Lamb of God was he. Sacrificed to set us free. Hallelujah. What a saviour.